Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you that we've come to the place where you are central in figure. You are King of King and Lord of Lords. The heaven's host of angels worship you continually. Father, for you are not keen of a moment or keen of a time span, but you are the king of glory and throughout eternity. All of heaven's host, everything created, shall worship you, shall serve you, shall abide with you forever. So you have created man a little lower than the angels for a moment that he too might dwell with you sitting upon your throne as you have set upon the throne of your father, that he might rule and reign with you for eternity. As the bride of Christ, we are here this morning. As the one that you will prepare to reign with you, to sit upon your throne, to have a rod of iron, that we shall rule the nations together with our God. Prepare us for this reality. Give us the garments that are the ones that are worthy to be in your presence. Be glorified as we share your word this morning, having further understood and having insight of your work among us. For your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Let your spirit minister to our hearts and that we move in the direction of your will and pleasure. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We become that which we worship. Whatever you worship, you become and take the form of. That's why God desires for us to worship only Him. We are created to be in the express image of God. That means everything that God is, we're intended to be. Yesterday I was talking to my nephew. I said, see these vultures here that are in our neighborhood now? They've come from 50 miles away because they can smell for 50 miles. How many would like that gifting? A created order of something that could smell 50 miles away in a little, little compartment like that, that shows you how bad we have lost our image according to God's likeness. We have become without talent, without giftings, without the ability to see. God gave man the supernatural light to see in the spirit realm. We can't see that either or else we would be better judges in who we pick to marry, who we pick to partner with, who we pick as our family and friends. And so here it is that Jesus Christ has created all things with the express intent that we might walk in the attributes of his excellence in all things. That you might have an excellent manner of thought. Um, one of the things that, that I say for a long time, for the first 20 years of my life, all my thoughts that came through this little brain were super twisted and corrupt. They were full of disobedience and rebellion. I became a lot of the things that I thought about. Because along those lines, Proverbs 23, 7 says like this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you're trying to figure out why some people are like the, what the, the way they are, you're going to have to go a deeper than just the circumstantial visual, the physical. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. So now you begin to understand many people. And last week, we talked about how a woman's call was not to walk in needy. If you're a woman here today, and you need to get last week's 
sermon because the woman has, has been thought of in God's. It's not good that man would be alone. I'm going to create a perfect helper. This institution of womanhood is to help man fulfill the call of God upon his life. If you have men that are not attaining to God's desire and purpose, their help has not become help. It's become a hindrance. And thus, instead of being supply resource, has become a need base where a man is attending to a woman's need constantly and not the needs of his creator, not fulfilling the desire of God. And so that has been warped by Satan who has made woman not a strength of source, but a deficient, needy person, which is a lie of the devil. The same way the church is supposed to be a source for the world to have light and salt. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You go out there and be strong for the kingdom. But the church now gathers, and all it does is I need, I want, I have, I need. And so instead of becoming a force to contend against the gates of hell and darkness now it becomes an introverted withdrawn isolated lord if only i could have a house lord if only i could have a car lord if you give me somebody to marry then i'll be the happy and then the woman the bride of christ the church has become needy based all she's asking is for handouts and she's known as the one that charitable uh, could you give me please and you know something we are the ones that give generously the church is the one that 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 causes the tide to change because of her generosity and strength not because of her neediness but i felt like last week like a lot of the women left this place thinking that they are responsible for what's going on and please do not be mistaken while the woman is not needy and she's resourceful and strong she's not responsible now you could turn to your husband and say oh buddy you're going to get it <laughs> the woman is not responsible God does not make the woman responsible for what's going on and what's taking place and what is the end result. Ultimately, the man is responsible. Who? Me? Yes, you. Couldn't be. Then who? The man is responsible for the condition of fulfilling. The woman is the help. She's not to be mistaken to be the needy, withdrawn, isolated hindrance to remove the man from his charge and call to change the world and to represent Christ. And to be uh, entrusted with the work of the Lord. But ultimately, God will come to the man and say, what's wrong? Why are you not fulfilling my desire? It is the man who's responsible for the utter failure to understand the issues at hand to resolve them, to address them. When I'm talking about a uh, man going astray. We see Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, the question that could be asked to all men in all times, in all places, even this day, is where are you? This is what God, his question to man is, where are you? Uh, you, you have to understand that God has placed man where he needs to be, and he has charged him with what he needs to do. There's no more confusion unless you become a rebel, unless you become disobedient, disconnected. If you become confused, some guy says, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And what they're telling me is, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Don't tell me because if you tell me, then there's going to be issue. Where are you? This, um, I just learned last week, the Latin for where are you is jurisdiction. Juris speaks of the law 
diction of what is spoken. Uh, I'm a lawyer. I should have known that a long time ago. The Latin word juris means the law, that which has been spoken, the place. Diction, jurisdiction, that which is spoken. Where is what God has spoken over your life as to where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing? That's giving you jurisdiction. You're not supposed to be an outlaw. You're not supposed to be a rebel. Where are you means you have left the place that God has positioned you. And verse 10, man responds, I heard you coming. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. I moved in fear because I was naked and I hid myself. Man has left his jurisdiction, the place God has spoken for him to be. And now he finds himself hidden, full of fear, displaced in such a manner where he um, disguises himself. He has placed fig leaves like an apron. Verse 7. The Bible says when they disobeyed God, the eyes of both of them were open and they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They began to put things over their lives to cover up reality. That is not the place where God has placed man. The Bible says he was naked and unashamed. Why? Because he was in his place doing what God had called him to do. As soon as a man removes himself from the place God has placed him and doing what God has called him to do, he now is filled with feelings of shame and guilt. This is how men feel, and that's why they don't come to church. They don't want to be reminded that they're hiding under the covering of their excuses and the covering of their guilt and shame, that they're not fulfilling their purpose to be champions upon the earth. Yesterday, Tony Evans was saying, why do you think so many men wear the jerseys of other champions with the name of champions on their back? There's no other reason why a man would go find a jersey of a champion, whether it be baseball, football, or hockey, and wears that as his covering to be a champion. But for one reason, he is not the champion. He is not competing. He is not fulfilling his role as God has called him to. So there man is naked and ashamed, covered over with hypocrisy, the word hypocrisy comes from the mask that was worn by the Greek theater. They would put a mask on that had a smile on it because the man inside maybe wasn't so happy. Had a mask on with a figure that he was going to purport to be when the reality on the inside was altogether different. That happened. You could call that duplicity. You could call that the double-mindedness of men who shows up at the church on Sunday morning, but his entire life is disconnected with the church. That's why our orphans and our widows, that's why the families do not know the man as a reference, as a servant, and as, as a man of God in his church. Yesterday, some man was saying, you know, there's a, these young men that are growing up in the house of God. These two young men we placed up on the pulpit, Noah and Julian. They have to know, they have to know you by first name. They have to know you by your service, by your participation, by your hug, by your reminder and asking them how they're doing in school, how they're doing with their teacher, how they're behaving with their families, how are they integrating into the work of God so that they can follow your example as a man, responsible. And God addresses man and, t and tells him uh, because a man tries to flip it. In verse 12, in verse 11, when God addresses man, he says, hey, who put you in that mindset that you were naked? 
Who told you you had no covering? In other words, who told you you had to be a fake? Who told you you couldn't be a real Christian? Who told you you had to have a double life? Who told you that there was two parts of you? That you can think one way and live another? That you can say some words that totally misrepresent who you truly are? I've had men come to my office and say, Pastor, I've decided to make this my church. I've decided to be part of what you're doing here. And, and I want you to hold me accountable. And then they disappear and never show up again. They say one thing and they do another. That's called duplicity. That's everything but a man. That's everything but maturity. That's instability. That's unreliability. Some people say, Pastor, you're too harsh. I said, no. God says that to that man, he will give nothing. He won't give anything because he can't depend on that man. He says one thing one moment and he does another thing the next moment. No wonder he's lost credibility with his perfect helper. No wonder she's ashamed to be called by his name. No wonder she takes the lead and becomes the head in a headless body. God says like this in Genesis 3 verse um, when, when he says uh, in verse 11, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to? As soon as you start doing what God has told you not to do, you better start getting some, some double coverage. You better start uh, assuming uh, the expression of things that are not real, not genuine. Everything we hate. Reality TV came in because people are sick of theater. We're sick of people saying one thing and doing another. Saying that they, they're committed when they're uncommitted. That, that is in, in uh, biblical ling lingo is it makes you nauseous in the stomach. When Jesus says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. But because you're on both sides, I, I want to vomit you out of my mouth. You make me sick to the stomach. Because when I think I'm walking with a man, I'm actually seeing two little boys up here having a great time, not participating, not committing not wanting to grow up. By the age of 40, a man should have already determined the clarity of the God he knows and serves. But yet, man continues to say like this in verse 12. He says, um, quick, 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 think. Why am I not where I'm doing? Why am I not going where I'm going? Why am I not being the man I'm called to be? Why am I not authentic? Why am I not genuine? Why am I not consistent? Why am I not committed? Uh, the woman you gave me. Pointing to the woman. Throwing his wife under the bus. I can't serve God because my wife wants me to be home. I can't serve, my wife drives me crazy. I would be a super spiritual man if my wife were different. I want to suggest that your wife was given to you to confirm the reality of who you are. For she is just an expression, an outward expression of your inward character. Amen. Your wife will not smile when things are not going right. Your wife will not fake it. Your wife will be the true expression of the thermometer that shows that you have a serious illness in your character. Your wife will become strong. She will be, uh, um, when, when God presented man to woman, he says, here is your perfect helper. He looked at her. He says, bone, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. What was that meaning? I always thought, man, he was going to get into the groove of sexual intimacy with that thing. And no, what he was looking at was the reflection of his own character. His own glory was, the Bible says, the glory of man is woman. So a woman allows for you to be transparent because um, we have become confirmed in the issue that a woman is not going to disguise when she 
is um, discontent. We always say that a, a, a wife's facial expression gives the, the expression of the seriousness of the husband that she's with, but there's no greater contempt for man than the countenance of his wife. Smile, honey, smile. Smile. Are we listening to the Spirit of God this morning? That in other, for us to be the church of Jesus Christ, we're going to need to follow Jesus Christ and be a true blessing and not an appearance of a blessing. A true genuine man who gives his life as a ransom for others. A true servant that came to wash the feet of his disciples and not one that says he's a disciple without ever washing feet. One that can be transparent. One of, the, one of the most incredible things about the life of Christ is his transparency. As we read the gospel, we see what Jesus is thinking. We see what he's saying. We're seeing behind the hearts of men. We're seeing behind Pilate's life. He, he portrays the, the authentic, transparent reality of all things. That's who we need to be like. When people see us, we shouldn't be selling a fraud. Hmm. <laughs> There was a young man that was trying to sell a horse on the side of the road. And a young man came up and he was saying, this is a marvelous horse. This horse could run. This horse could dance. This horse could short on almost talk. And the young man pulled out the $5 and paid him. And he took the horse and he started trying to make the horse do all sorts of things. The horse was doing nothing. He went back to the man. He says, hey, why did you say all those things? He says, I couldn't have sold it if I didn't. And I suggest you not tell people the truth either. Or else you're not going to be able to sell him. So many times it's the man's lack of transparency. The one that is able to negotiate a transaction. But not Jesus Christ. We have seen Jesus Christ. As the express image of the invisible God. We know everything about God. Because Jesus was a, was a book to be read by all men. He was open and transparent. At, at manners, at ways that far exceed what he should have been in, in our light. And so God gives man the responsibility to not blame his wife. But verse 17, he gives him the judgment of his duplicity. The judgment of his ingenuous lack of authenticity. When he said then to Adam, he said, because you gave heed to your wife. Because you chose to be excellent in what your wife demanded. And not be excellent in what God demanded. Thus you're going to have a life full of accursed ground. I command you saying not to eat. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. You my friend will be under the thorns and the thistle. Verse 18. The consequence of having another lead you. Another set your priority. Another deviate your charge. Thorns and thistles shall be your harvest. You're not going to have the harvest of the Lord. You're not going to have the blessing of the Lord. You're not going to have the favor of God. You're not going to get the thumbs up of well done, thou good and faithful servant. Why is there an expectation? I, I can't foresee a preacher on Sunday this morning having a room full of men saying, you guys are awesome. You come on Sunday. You have 20 minutes of glory here in the house of God. You, listen, you put up with a preacher for 20 minutes. And you give your tithe faithfully, man, you're going straight into the kingdom. 
and then find out that the reality is altogether different. Find out that when you stand before Jesus, he says, depart from me. We have no relationship. You're not a man in the kingdom. You're not man who took responsibility. You're not a man who led your family in spiritual devotion. You're not a man who set the example and set the time. Because you have listened to, to the voice of your wife, um, uh, Wellington Boone, a friend of mine, says it correctly. Man was to have a God said, not a she said. That's, that's dangerous. As soon as he listened to the she said, everything got turned on its course. Everything got flipped around. And the man now becomes withdrawn, isolated, and disconnected, waiting for the next she said. They call it the honeydew list. I want to ask you, what is the darling of heaven asking from you? What is God demanding from you as a man with respect to your spiritual responsibility? Once again, man is responsible. And so he says in verse 19, from the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken and Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. The sweat of your brow shall be the fruit of your bread. You know, our wives are asking for provision. Our children are asking for provision. They're demanding it from us that we should model an example. I pulled, I pulled together the 25-year-olds in this church. They've been here for 15 years, so they were 10 when they started. Now they're 25, and I ask them, what is a mature 25-year-old Christian supposed to look like? And we could set him up here on the stage. We could, we could call a young man like Joseph. Joseph, come here. How old are you, Joseph? 13? Come here. Sit up here. Alejandro, how old are you? Huh? 13. Come up here. Yusuf, how old are you? Come here. Stand in the middle. So you have 13 on one side. These are the young men. And obviously, they have, um, because of their age, because of the purpose in their frame and development, they're very frail at this point. They, they get a lot bigger and stronger. Look at this guy. Wow. Okay, 16 years old, they're here, and, and they're in the house of God. Where's uh, Blas? Blas Jr.? There he comes. This is the progression of what we call men. What do we, the, what do we want for these guys with regards to somebody they will marry to make them men of God? Not take them in an escapade uh, of continual Peter Pan flourishing. Right? When they grow up, how old are you? 21. Okay, so we're 13, 16, 21. Um, and, and as these men grow, and eventually they'll find themselves here in the state of manhood. Uh, I need a 25-year-old. Gary? 30. Come here. 30. <laughs> what is what we call a Christian man? What do we want to be the husband for our daughters? An irresponsible, sleepy, lazy wimp? The word wimp comes from whining. Oh my God, I can't believe they want us to go to church now two days a week. My friend, you're a sorry excuse for a gentleman. If you don't take your family to the place that God has prepared for them to do great big things in a godly inheritance to be an expression of a prince to the nations. We have made church a very sad place. 
a place where they're absent men. The number one leading demographic for the Christian church are men that do not want to come to church. You want, you want to know why they don't want to come? Because they're going to have to become mature and take responsibility. God's going to require of them something called, say with me, transparency. That you be the same one on the inside that you are on the outside. Because out there, they have become champions of thinking that they are champions on the outside. And inside, they look like those little boys there. Those young men. They have not produced excellence and maturity. They have nothing to offer a wife because they, they still are learning to hear the voice of God. By the time that you're married, you should have already listened to the voice of God. And God spoke to the man. And he says, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He gave him a God said. If he wanted to have a she said, he would have made the woman before. But the progression of manhood and maturity are to get to the place that you are this same guy on the inside as you are on the outside. You know what that's called? Say with me, discipleship. Discipleship is being taken to the place where it says, you, my friend, are a fraud. You, my friend, are a deceiver. You, my friend, are a double-minded man. You say one thing and you do another. Guess what? In church, we're only seeing the iceberg of that. Our wives are living with the sad reality that you put on a front to everybody, but you sell yourself short to those that you're supposed to sell yourself uh, totally and 100% to, to your wife, to your children. They're supposed to have a spiritual legacy, a spiritual inheritance. They're supposed to have um, respect. If my kids were to travel anywhere where I have gone, any of my family, but my, if, if my sons go to anywhere, they're going to be treated in such a way as the ground that I've prepared for them as I went before them. If I'm a thief and a liar, if I'm a hypocrite, if I'm unstable, if I'm, I, do, I do not persevere, people are going to be running from my children and they won't even know why. And the why is because nobody wants to hang out with a hypocrite. Nobody wants somebody to purport to sell himself on his talents and gloss and be super short on the reality of his character inwardly. Let's give a big hand to these guys. Thank you. We need to progress in this, in this light. Because you've listened to whom you haven't had to listen... And you gave heed to the voice of your wife to eat that which I wasn't feeding you. You shall from now on eat the fruit of the ground. Verse 18, thorns and thistles shall it bring for you. A twisted mindset. The face of your brow. You shall eat the provision. The book of life. The Bible. Psalm 24, verse 3. Let me start in verse 5. It says, He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the provision of God for man. Uh, I'm excited. To, it, it's a challenging thing to be a pastor, but, but one of my joys in life is to see a man grounded and rooted in the kingdom of God, being faithful to God, how God begins to allow him to flourish and to flower and to blossom and to have fruit of being a man in the kingdom. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. That is the harvest for a man of God. But what does this require? Verses three and four tells you 
This harvest comes from those who have the capacity to walk with a pure heart and clean hands. Verse 3. The blessings and the salvation come to those who might ascend to the high standard of God's hill. To stand in the place of his jurisdiction. Verse 4. Those who have. Verse 4. Clean hands and a pure heart. The duplicity is not being one thing on the inside and one thing on the outside. The duplicity, the singleness and purity is to be the same guy in your heart that you are in the expressions of your hands. That you be the same guy. That what you say, you do. And there's nothing more excellent for a family than to have a man who says what he does and does what he says. These two aspects clear up a double-minded man. The duplicity of having uh, supposedly a consecrated heart. There's nothing in this world that I love more than Jesus Christ. I want to be a servant of God. Well, show me your hands. Dirty hands. I'm never there. I don't serve. Nobody knows me. I'm not connected. I'm not growing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not consolidated with the vision. No, nobody there shows forth. Uh, the Bible says to count the men. Number the men that are in your midst. They're to go out to battle. Well, when I count the men, there's like, if there's 200 men in this church, only 20 show up. And it's the same 20 that show up all the time. And they're taking the weight of every responsibility for the men that don't show up. There's a, a huge lapse between the heart and the hand. When you see this, you'll see the rebuke coming from the Lord in James um, in the New Testament. A lot of people say, well, Pastor, you're always going to the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament for those New Testamentors. James chapter 5, verse 8, where the Bible says you, let me get it, let me get it, let me get it, 4, 8, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God, and you're going to see he's going to come to you, so you can clean your outward appearance, you that are not walking in the conduct of the kingdom, in the character of godly men, cleanse your hands, Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You're all over the place. You say one thing, you do another. You do one thing, you say another. And, and you're crisscrossing, and you're all over the place, and make for a horrible example of existence. Thus, your verse there in James chapter 1, verse 7. For let not a man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. You're not going to receive anything from God. Why? Verse 8. Because you are double-minded. He is double-minded, unstable, unconstant. You can't have anybody follow your example because you're all over the place. That is the distinction of a child. A child is the one that is unstable in all his ways. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 13. Verse 14. No longer being children tossed to and fro, carried about by winds that blow, by things that are the tricks of men, the, the winds of, of teachings. I had one man says, I don't want to go to your church no more. I said, why? Because every time I come there, I feel bad. You want to be in a church where you feel good. You're a disaster and you want the pastor to say, you know something, I really appreciate, oh, you're so awesome, you came out here on Sunday for an hour, oh, let's all give, uh, 
That's not going to be your reception in the kingdom of God. There are men who gave their lives before lions. There are men who gave their lives on uh, Peter crucified upside down that were martyrs, that died for their Lord, that paid a price. You're not going to impress anybody in the kingdom of God that you showed up at Spring of Life for an hour one Sunday every four weeks. That's not going to give you an inheritance in the kingdom. You're not an Olympian. Paul says, run this race so that you might obtain the efforts of your diligence. Now, if you're next to a person sitting on a lazy boy chair going, wow, that's some good preaching. I'm fixing to come back next week, get me some more. That's not what church is about. Church is for you to push in and test the strength of your manhood to be faithful in your obedience. We have young men going into cages, getting beat up out of every orifices of their body. They're bleeding. And they look over to their coach and say, you're the man, you're the man. That's not a man. A man is he who's willing to deny himself, take up the cross, and follow Jesus Christ. To, to put his whole life away. And this is the example he gave us in John chapter 23 where he's sitting there with the disciples and he's washing their feet. And he tells them these words. He says, you see what I'm doing? You do the same. In John 13, verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, you say well because that's who I am. I'm teacher, I will teach, and I'm Lord. You're to serve me. Verse 14. If then your Lord and teacher is washing your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet. We can't. You know why? Because they're going to find out who we really are. Because if we're around and serving, people get to know the truth of who we've become. I go to have coffee a couple nights ago here with a friend. And I'm getting to the restaurant. His friend that was invited to has a cigar. And he's, 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 hi Pastor Joaquin's here. He's hiding the cigar. He puts it in his back pocket. Hey, how you doing, Pastor? Oh, you have men's meeting tonight? Great. I really want to go. This is 20 minutes before men's meeting. I'm going to try and go next week. Okay, try and come next week. God is waiting to give you discipleship. So you're the same guy on the outside that you are in the inside. You're a real man like Jesus Christ. You're not a fraud. You're not a hypocrite. You're showing the weaknesses of your reality, but the grace of God is perfecting you. You're confessing your sins out in the open so other people know. While I'm not perfect, I strive unto perfection. I want to be like Jesus every day. And so he hides his cigar. He runs to the bathroom to throw it away. We approach the, the window and we ask the woman, uh, we'll have two coffee, Cuban coffees, no sugar. And she says, your buddy there just asked me to go to the Keys with him on his motorcycle this weekend. So God is bringing out our reality. That's why a lot of people don't like to be married. Your wife will proclaim from the housetops who you really are. She's going to show forth that you are a Peter Pan, that you're a clown, that you're immature. That you can't be gathering together with warriors. Because you still want to play Nintendo and video games. He comes out. We have coffee. Say, okay guys, see you later. I'm going to go. As we leave, his friend is driving home. 
and he gets a phone call. Hey, mister, why didn't you tell me the pastor was going to be there drinking coffee? He goes, well, I didn't think I had to tell you when the pastor comes. He goes, yeah, man, that's not fair. He goes, listen, I noticed you put the cigar away. Why can't you be real in front of real people? This man's going to seminary to become a pastor. And he's living a perfected double life. He wants to have all the knowledge of God here, but be distant with his God here. He's not living life in a transparent basis. Clean hands, a pure heart. No double-mindedness. Cleanse, draw near to God. Look what I did. You follow in that example. Verse 15, John 13, 15. As Lord and teacher, I wash your feet. You also do it with others. For I gave you an example. I've given you you know, the, one of the travesty that's out there, there's no examples. But if you come in here and you see examples, is so you follow them. Because surely, listen, we don't want to create in this place what we have out there. Right. This is not the place for that. If you want to be double-minded, you don't have a place in this place. You don't have a place in the kingdom of God. Because the gold in the kingdom is transparent. The most solid things of God are the capacity to walk just as you are. A lady says, Pastor, be careful. They're going to follow you. They're going to follow me. I hope they do follow me. They'll see a man of God. They'll see what a man who loves Jesus Christ does. Who he hangs out with. What he says. Where he goes. How he thinks. How he feels. Let people follow us. They're going to listen to your conversations. This one mom called my office. This is pastor. Excuse me a second. She thought her grandchildren had hung up the phone. She thought pastor was no longer on the line. She begins to curse like a sailor. She begins to bring profanity and vulgarity. You kids are wrong. And I'm going, ah. In front of me. Oh, santo pastor, como esta? Behind me, she's the devil. She's the Tasmanian devil. She's not walking in transparency. Verse 17, John 13, 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. To know them and do them are two different things. Now, I love to serve notice. This is notice. I love to serve notice. Young man, since you are no longer living as we want to be an example, do me a favor. Could you please, this is your, your, get out. Grab your family and just go out, please. I love serving notice. Please, the Delgado family, out of this place. We don't need no more Delgados. I'm serious, go. They won't move. They won't move. But I love to serve notice because we cannot defraud our brother. If we're in church, if we come here, is we want to become real disciples. We want to love Jesus Christ with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, in our th thoughts, words, and actions. This is more important to us than the Marlins and the Dolphins. More important if we're real men in the house of God. If you know these things, you'll bless if you do them. 
I love John in this same chapter. We have the glimpse, 1323. If there's something that causes men to be far is their lack of reality and authenticity. They're not Christians, so they don't want to be close because people will find out. But there's a man there that was gathered with Jesus at that time, and he was leaning his head. Picture a 35-year-old leaning his head on the master's chest. That's called proximity. That's called closeness. That's called, Jesus, know who I am. I want to know who you are. I want to be real close all the times I have an opportunity to be close. I want those type of men in this house. Those that want to be close to Jesus. Those who want to lay their heads on his bosom. Those that are so close to the Lord that Peter, although he said he would die for Jesus, has to look at that man in verse 24. And Peter, therefore motioned to him who it was of whom he spoke. Talking about the guy who put his head on his shoulders. And Peter goes, get, get the goods. Get the information. Get that which is most proximate to his heart to express his feelings so we get to know who he's talking about. This is the opportunity we have at church. To be serious, to be close, to stop being double-minded, to stop being theater, theatrics. Paul says that this aspect in 1 Corinthians 14, 24 is the aspect that allows the world to know that we're legitimate. John, I'm in 1 Corinthians 14, 25. No, 24. Okay. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person, a person that doesn't know what we're talking about this morning. How many know what we're talking about this morning? We all do, right? Because God's speaking loud and clear. Okay. If an uninformed, a person that doesn't know who we're, what we're doing here, comes in and he's convinced by all. That transparency is the way to go. And he's convicted by all. Man, how could these people be so... They just, they just say who they are. They, they say where they're at. They say what they're doing. They're, they're being real. If a person that comes from the outside sees a whole bunch of people with no more masks, no more coverings, being the real deal, I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a son of God. I'm learning. I'm being washed. I'm being discipled. I'm learning how to be less of a hypocrite, less of a sinner. He says, verse 25, when this person comes in and finds out that everybody and the secrets of his heart are revealed... When, when a worldly person comes in, and, and those of you that are here for the first time, you're like, man, I've never been in a place where they tell you to be real. I've never been in a place where the pastor is saying, if you're not real, you don't belong here. You could go to a nightclub and be fake. You could go to a party. You could go to your best friend's house and be fake. And he's like, man, you're cool. I know you're smoking pot with me, but inside you want to commit suicide. I know you're depressed, but on the outside, you're telling me, let's go to a nightclub. So your duplicity is all over the place. And we accept that in every realm except church. Except family. Family, you got to be real. You can't be saying things you don't feel and feeling things you don't say. Family won't allow you. Church won't allow you. A transparent church. He says, once the secrets of his heart are revealed, they're out and open, he's going to fall on his face and he's going to worship God and say, you guys are true. God is real in this place. God is real in this place. God is true. You guys are followers of Christ. Matthew 15, 19, Jesus says, The things that proceed out of the mouth of a heart are those that contaminate of man. The depth of what's inside of man produces adultery, fornication, theft, false blasphemies, false witnesses. 
When we're walking in duplicity, we are more prone to being destroyed. We're more prone to being captured by Satan to do his will. We're being more prone not to participate. Not to participate. This man says, I want to go to another church where when I'm doing that which is wrong, I feel good. When I'm dropping the ball, I want them to applaud me. I told them that that is a dead church. Because a living church is going to always come and require that you be like Christ. That you be authentic. That you be genuine. Genesis 5.16, therefore confess your sins to one another. Have the possibility, James 5.16, have the possibility, give yourself the chance to confess when you've trespassed, when you haven't held jurisdiction, that's trespassing. When you're doing something that is not required of you, you've left the ground, you're on another property. Confess these things. Pray for one another that you might be healed because that's a sick character. When you want to be doing that, which you haven't been called to do, you're not healthy, my friend. Prayer availeth much. God brings you back to the place that he has for you. Let's stand this morning. 1 John 17, 1.7. This culminates in this reality. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have a chance to have fellowship with one another. We cannot do anything in a world-changing church where people are not being transparent. Where they're not being transparent, they can't work together. Where they can't work together, they cannot have and share the life of Jesus together. There cannot be no connection. We're, there's no doubt this morning that we're all here at the address 2029 Northwest 87th Avenue. Let's give us ourselves a hand that we all came this morning. great oh that's a great listen if we could be in a place together but we're not united we are a bunch of miserable fools especially when weeks months and years go by and we continue to come to the same place and there's no unity if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship. The blood of Jesus is there to wash us for anything that is not right. And he cleanses us from all that disconnect. Psalm 133.1 So that where the brethren are together, not together, but together in unity. See the difference? If, if we cannot be able to connect unified and we just came here together, but we're disconnected... There's no, there's no power. You guys saw a lot of connection on this side of the pulpit. Listen to me. That's power. There's a lot of guys, not for one day, not for two years, for 20 years, who've been pushing this thing in the direction. That's why we're here. That's why we're impacting what we're impacting. Never going to do what God has called us to do until all of us are united. Until all of us get on the same base. It says, behold how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together. In unity we could be together but if we're not united if we're together and I'm pushing this way and I got some people going what's the pastor talking about being transparent Is it crazy no way my, I'll, I'll die first before he knows anything about my life in fact this is going on and this is going on and pastor doesn't know you're not deceiving me my friend 
you're not getting the provisions Christ died for. He says when they're together in unity, then, he says, all the blessings flow. Behold how good it is. Put it back up there, please. Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold how good and blessed it is for the brethren to dwell together, not only to be together, but to unite. Verse 2. It will be like the um, rain that falls, the dew that falls. Verse 2. It's like precious oil upon the, the head. It's like the running down to the beard, to the garments. It goes all the way down. People are starved for the provision of God in your life because you're not connected. So the lifeline just, it, just, it doesn't run. Verse 3. It's like dew that descends from the mountains of Zion. For there is where the Lord commands blessing and abundant life. The, everything you are thirsting for, everything you desire to see become a reality is a direct correlation of your connection and unity. And there's no connection and unity without transparency. And there's no transparency without consistency, frequency. You can't come once every six months. You can't come once every four weeks. I'm going to give you notice. I'm going to give you notice that you need to find yourself another place to be isolated, to be distant, and disconnected. For God has called all of us here to follow the example of Christ and to die to ourselves so that others might live. If you're here this morning for the first time, you have an opportunity to respond to this word. And we, in this church, we respond by raising one hand and saying, Lord, you're talking to me. You brought me here today just for this one message. You, you brought me here to listen to your word. Raise your hand if that's you. You say, Lord, I heard you loud and clear. You want me to be transparent. You want me to be connected. You want me to be a man. If you're a woman, that's not you. You'd be a perfect helper to a man to be transparent, to be real, to be genuine. Father, look at the hands that have been lifted up in your house today. The devil led man into hypocrisy when he ate from the fruit to cover himself up with figs, to hide amongst the trees out of fear, to be naked and ashamed and full of guilt. But you have died to save mankind, to wash away our sins, to make us real and genuine so that we might connect together with those that you have washed and cleansed as part of a world-changing church, the body of Christ, inviting the whole world that they come, not under the covering of some bank account or some baseball contract or some athletic program or some business title, but under the blood of Jesus. The washing, cleansing tide that makes us really men of God, accountable, responsible servants, obedient, connected togetherness in all unity of the Spirit so that we can show forth to the world the reality of the gospel. That man no longer has to walk about isolated, disconnected, and distant. Allow us to walk in that discipleship. To leave duplicity and double-mindedness. That they can see our heart and see the expression of our conduct. And that coincides. And that's the same thing. That our thoughts, words, and actions would be the same thing. Lord, you don't want us to continue in lies and cover-ups. To be disrespected and dishonored. Because of childlike conduct. I pray, Father, that you bring us to the place of wholesome health. That we might be restored. That you create a clean heart within us. So that we can show transgressors your way. 
And we give you thanks for this word this morning in such a time of this. And we believe we will receive answer and reward in that regards. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen. This morning I also want to give a big applause to the Delgado family for being used as an example, which was just an example, not true. And walk into the purpose of God for real. God bless you. Love you in the name of the Lord.